Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Look, Gavin, you get back on the phone and you call Tom Steyer and says, no matter how much money he offers us, we're still not having him on the show. No free publicity. Didn't we learn anything from 2016? Ass. The following podcast contains... Can't fire a guy for cursing. No, I'm not upset by cursing. I I love cursing. I love it. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you spent all that money to go and still you had to shit in a bag? What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, July 12, 2019, Whitey's on the Moon edition of the show, part one of our Moonshot Spectacular, celebrating 50 years since Apollo 11. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Luna Luxury Hotel Accommodations on the Moon. The Luna will be a five-star luxury resort and casino on the near side of the moon, offering stunning visuals of the Earth and extraordinary dining and entertainment choices that are, dare we say it, out of this world. Book your reservations now for a small holding fee and be the first of our friends to visit the premier luxury resort and spa destination on the moon. Be the first to visit the Luna. Reservations at the Luna are non-refundable and based on entirely on the supposition to transportation that will eventually become available to civilian traffic to and from the moon. No promises or expectations are real or implied. No refunds or exchanges. See your lunar travel agents for details. Remember the moon? <laughs> Remember the moon? Every year we used to go to the moon like clockwork. We never missed a trip. Then we just stopped. No one said a thing. Billions of dollars. Nothing. Do we just finally come to the conclusion that maybe the moon's not really that great? (laughs) What happened? Did one astronaut come back? Yeah. I went to the moon. (laughs) Sucked. (laughs) You can tell the moon sucked because nobody who went to the moon ever volunteered to go back. It's a shitty vacation. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to go back, really. I'm in the middle of a root canal. I got the kids driving me crazy. I'd love to. You go, though. It's fun. You know, little tiny ship, no air. You shit in a bag. It's a good time. Don't don't get me wrong. I'd love to go. I may have mentioned a time or two my childhood fascination with space, where other kids had Mother Goose. I had Kirk and Spock for the first 10 years of my life. And growing up, I don't know, I just more or less assumed that when I got old, I would just, you know, work and live. In space! I mean, after all, we'd landed on the moon, put up space stations, and even settled our space beast with the Russians. We were just working together up there, so it just stood to reason that someday we would have... An entire city in space. Boomer kids all grew up wanting to be an astronaut. Gen X kids all grew up thinking... Whatever they did, they just do it in space, be it space fireman, space policeman, or space soldier, or space poet and playwright, because everything was going to be in space. Space was going to be new and exciting, and by the mid-1970s, we'd all be pretty much assume it was inevitable. But I will know what it's like to be out there among the stars. And then, without any real explanation, 
everyone just stopped going to space. This is boring. I'm bored now. Not their obsession with space. That just stayed the same, but it was only as an entertainment vehicle. And that got more and more intense over the years. It was the actual going to space that we just stopped caring about. Once we went to the moon and found it cold, dark, and empty. You a long way from Starbucks, homie. We just decided it wasn't worth going. Sure, we had the shuttle, but that was, you know, it would go down, it would go up sometimes before we intended to do or do either one of those things. But really, the space shuttle was just a U-Haul truck. Useful, but hardly anything to get excited about. And frankly, when we did get excited about the shuttle, really bad things seemed to happen. I could tell you stories. I heard about the Challenger from the people who knew people who worked in NASA that would keep you from ever telling another need a southern need another seven astronauts joke except you know i've heard those stories and i actually did tell another need another seven astronaut jokes but at least at least i didn't do a head and shoulders or wash up on the beach joke you sick fuck i guess what i'm really saying is the moon sucks and we never should have gone there in the first place it's kind of like new jersey in that aspect as most of my listeners are americans except for those of you in the uk and norway Shout out to both of you. I know who you are, except for the people in Norway. I have no idea why you're listening to this show. But let me explain to you the not raw, raw, you go USA side. Let me tell you the real story about why we went to the moon. And it goes something like this. Era, my brother Bobby told me there was some hot moon pussy up there. Now, actually, that's not the reason, and that was also a hideously bad impersonation of JFK. No, no, the reason we went to the moon was Nazis. Fucking Nazis. Back in the 1930s, the not- Germany had a problem. It really wanted to bomb places like Paris and London, but the Treaty of Versailles prevented Germany from researching and developing long-range artillery. So a fella by the name of Karl Heydrich Elmo Becker gathered the brightest minds of Germany together to come up with a way around the ban using semantics. The linguistics put their professors put their head together and came up with the idea that if Germany used something besides a big-ass cannon, it wouldn't technically be a treaty violation. That was some black belt jujitsu bullshit right there. So then Becker convened another panel of experts, this time on rocketry, and the German ballistic missile program was born. One of the young minds in this program was a brilliant engineer and scientist named Werner von Braun. And Werner had grown up fascinated, nay, obsessed with the ideas of using rockets to get to space. Such a problem. Those are big old dreams. According to Werner, it was because his dreams were so big that he got caught up with some very bad people who did some very bad things. And it was only after the fact that he knew about any of those bad things. The story, according to Werner and the OSS, the World War II precursor to the CIA, was that he joined the Nazi party in 1937 because, oh my God, of course I did. Everyone was so doing it. And if I didn't, then God, you know, people would just talk like Klaus could be such a petty little bitch if you weren't a Nazi. Mind you, this is what every German said about why they joined the Nazi party. They just joined to go along to get along. They didn't want to make waves, you know. And besides, they like joining things. It's in their pure Aryan blood. And Werner replied to why he joined the SS, the highest ranking echelons of the Nazi party. Uh, You know, when you're asked by Heinrich Himmler and they tell you it's not going to take up a whole bunch of your time. 
What else are you going to do? I don't know. What else could I have done? There are many theories as to what von Braun's true feelings about the Reich were, about Hitler's policies and politics. He always maintained ignorance of the worst and grudging acceptance of the rest. And just sort of shrugged it off with, a, well, what can you do? I, I don't know these things. I make rockets. Michael Mark Cohen wrote in media, quote, but really... What was there for Werner von Braun to not to love about the Third Reich? He obviously had no troubles filling out his Aaron Pass, the racial passport required of all German citizens to certify their biological purity. Werner von Braun knew whether von Braun knew any Jews or not, nor did he hardly anti-Semitic feelings. As a conservative, he easily embraced Hitler's sexism and anti-communism, but most importantly, Werner Braun Braun put his faith in Hitler's sense of mission, sharing a belief that it was Germany's destiny to seize leadership of the Western world through technology like the rocket, unquote. He certainly didn't pitch all that much of a fit about using slave labor at his V2 factories in Pinamunda because, again, well, you know, what could I do? I couldn't rock the boat. And he really wanted his rockets. For Werner, it was about rockets. What you did with those rockets, well, that's not my problem. I don't know if I just make them. I don't shoot them or anything. For You could say slap a bomb on it and drop, use it to drop it on civilians in London. It's not your problem. Somebody else's problem. All Werner wanted was to get his rockets into space. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world and the other side of the war, a different group of scientists were hard at work on a project of their own. That project in and of itself had nothing to do with rockets other than a tendency to explode, but this very, very secret project had a lot of great minds working tangentially on different aspects of the issue, even if some of the people didn't know precisely what the issue was. We now know, of course, that they were developing the world's very first... Toaster strudel! Now, there were several ways to get the toaster strudel where you wanted it to be. The most obvious, of course, was by airplane, which is how we made our first deliveries. But the problem with airplanes is that they can be shot down. But if one were to mount your strudel on a rocket, you would really have something. Which is why even before the World War, the World war II was over, Allied soldiers were rounding up German rocket scientists wherever they could find them. And can I tempt you with some toaster strudels? Ironically enough, the Russians knew all about our secret strudel program, and they too were rounding up German rocket scientists, even though they would not have their own toaster pastry for at least another year or so. That better not be my last toaster strudel. It was the Americans, however, who decide, who would scoop up Werner and the bulk of his team and spirit them off to America while Hitler's corpse was still smoking. The Russians may not have gotten Werner Braun Brown or the best of his scientists, but they did get the factory and a shitload of V2s, and they had a dude named Sergei Korolev who became essentially the father of the practical spaceflight for humans or astronautics. The Soviet Union's most gifted rocket scientists were literally plucked from prison to work on rockets for the state. And, you know, that is pretty much the most Russian thing I have ever heard of. I mean, Russians, oh, Russians. Under Korolev, the Soviets had a practical ICBM by 1957, while the United States still dithered around with multiple systems under multiple agencies and achieving little success. This continued until October of 1957, when Korolev convinced the Soviet state that launching a satellite with his new missile would embarrass the United States, which it very much did. <laughs> Thank you.
the epical scientific achievement by Soviet Russia in beating the United States of America in the race to launch the first man-made moon has all humanity staring heavenward. For the miracle here simulated may have more profound implications than we mortals are ordinarily called on to grasp at once. Scientifically, militarily, politically, these tracking antenna, by the knowledge they will gather from the speeding orb, may well affect mankind as nothing before, may mark a moment in history unparalleled, cause changes to beggar the imagination. Now, Americans being Americans, we wouldn't stand for that, so we immediately rushed a launch of our own rocket to prove to the world that there was nothing the damn dirty Russians could do, that the United States couldn't do better, and you know what? Captain America blowed it up real good. Yep, the rocket exploded on the pad and the U.S. was pretty much an international laughingstock. Americansky rockets are small and weak. Make droopy droopy on pad like Americans. And go off before plan, like all Americans, are not strong and thick, like hard-throbbing Russian rockets that go off when plan and pleasure woman, unlike Americans. Korolev and the Russians would go on to beat the United States in the space race for many years. They went on so far as to put the first animals in space. And now, pigs in space! Launching probes to the moon, and finally in 1961, the Ruskies succeeded in putting a man into space. Though there are theories that Yuri Gagarin was not the first human being to make it into space, he was just the first one to come back alive. But, nevertheless, come back alive he did, and the Soviets were widely seen as winning the space race. This was bad politically, to be sure, but it did re- did it really mean anything? Well, here's the thing. If you can put a man into space and then get him to come back relatively close to where you want him to, you can do the same thing with a nuclear warhead, and that... Well, that's a bit of a problem. So America had a serious problem about space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. And now we come back to our favorite Nazi, Werner Braun Braun, who tells LBJ, Oof, yeah, I get you to the moon. It's not a problem. It will, however, cost quite a bit of money. And JFK looks at Werner Braun Braun and says, Did you take checks? Oh, sure. And hands Werner a blank one, with the unspoken caveat that part of the deal is the rocket's got to be, you know, dual purpose. His Mercury Redstone rockets carried Gus Gristom into space. I mean, not like anything like orbit, which is what Yuri Gagarin did, but technically space. But the money and research it took to get Grissom up also helped develop the Atlas EICBM, which was widely deployed as the first nuclear missile in the world. How happy for us. It was the Gemini program that gave us the real game changer, the Titan II multi-stage ICBM, big enough to carry large payloads into orbit, much larger than the Atlas missile, and with much greater range. And, oh, yeah, we could put multiple dudes into orbit for longer where they would, I don't know, get to train for the moon and stuff. That wasn't very important, but that was just like a side benefit. It was all very exciting and full of wonder and mystery, and 
cost so very much money. A shit ton of money. Gemini alone cost $7 billion in today's money, and that would pale in comparison to Apollo, to Apollo, which would literally take us to the moon. Werner Braun Braun had always wanted to build a big rocket. I mean, just a huge monster rocket, just a throbbing fucking phallus. Fucking huge object and the biggest thing in human history because it would take just such a huge dick rocket to get us to the moon and he would finally get to build one. The Saturn V booster remains to this day the biggest, most powerful penis substitute in history. Werner would finally have a rocket big enough to, I don't know, fulfill his dream of shooting all of the Jews in space. space, 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 space. The Saturn V cost one point. $2 billion of today's money per launch. For context, 13 Saturn Vs were launched. 12 of them actually left the ground. They went up, burned out, fell back into the ocean, or burned up in the atmosphere as they were single-use objects. Cost the same in today's money to build all 12 of those rockets as our most modern aircraft carrier, which, say what you will about it, will at least last a few decades, presuming it doesn't get sunk by a Chinese missile in 10 years or so in the opening salvos of a war. The total cost of the Apollo program from start to finish was $150-plus billion in today's money, all to send some dudes up, take a look around, and pick up some rocks. No, no bases, no black obelisk, just some dudes riding around in their loon buggies. Now that's a pun! And hitting some goddamn golf balls. You know, they could have done that here on Arizona for just a couple of hundred bucks, but no matter what, they still had an 80% success rate, although that still leaves a 20% failure rate for the program. And if you expend $150 billion to fail two out of 10 times, you're going to want 20% of that money back, I would think. But you got to admit, we did beat the Russians to the moon. The Russians who never even came close to putting dudes on the moon in their loon buggies playing moon soccer. On July 16th, 50 years ago to this month, 1969, Apollo 11 left with Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, and Michael Collins, who just got fucked on this deal, <laughs> left Earth to become the first human beings to land on another planet. Are you sure, Zorak? Patience, pod friends, we'll get to that later. And for one glorious moment in all of humanity, we held our breath and believed that maybe, maybe we had a future out there among the stars, that we could be bigger than our tribes, our skin color, our religion, our nations, if we just all together as one human species reached to the stars, and then we did, and it was really boring, and no one cared anymore. Estimates put the total cost of space exploration since the Mercury program, and I'd just go ahead and tack on the cost of the finding and feeding all the Nazis and just run, you know, rounding them up. It's, you know, and all the things that came in between, the nuclear research, blah, 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 at right around a trillion bucks if you round it up till today. And what did we get for a trillion bucks? Well, pod friends, we got modern society, all of this, you know, because... 
We need to nuke the Russians from a distance without them shooting down our planes. We got to tiny computers in our pockets for which to take digital photos with. Also, digital photos came from space research. Uh, we got to upload those digital photos of the food we were eating to the computer networks needed for space flight so that uh, they would provide us with, uh, you know, some sort of validation. We get turn-by-turn directions from our little pocket computers to get to the place where we take photos of our food to upload them to the network. And we can, when we get run over by a car because we were staring into our pocket computers rather than paying attention to where we were going, we can get an artificial leg that came from materials developed because we were in the space race. And when we all sit at home alone at night, splaring blankly into our pocket computer, eating some reconstituted microwave shit that's supposed to taste like food, we have that shit because we needed to send Chef Boy RD to the moon. And all because we wanted to nuke the Russians with our planes get shotting down. The Russians, of course, can use the very same technology to destroy our country from within without risking a single one of their planes by using the networks and the computers and all the other shit that we built because of the space race against us. So I guess there's balance in the fucking universe. I mean, we could have, I suppose, spent all that money and time developing things to, like, help people right here on this planet. I mean, if we'd poured a trillion dollars over 75 years into creating technologies to heal people or heal the planet so that we can actually, that the planet that we actually live on so that we could continue to live on said planet and make sure that all the people had enough to eat and that they had places to live and things to do. One could say that money might have been spent better, I guess. I mean, imagine where we might be if we'd spent some of that money on educating so that every, educating everyone so that they understood basic science and engineering better. Hell, we might be out among the stars if we'd invested less in nuclear-tipped missiles and aircraft to drop nukes on the Russians or the Russians on us if we took the ideals of the space program and applied them to making the Earth a better place to live on. We might all be happier, healthier, and wealthier. But honestly, that was never going to happen in the first place because look who was in charge of the space program from the beginning. It was fucking Nazis, and Nazis are always going to do the worst possible thing for humanity. That, Podfriends, is why they are Nazis, and that's why things are fucked up today. Fucking Nazis. It all just comes back to Nazis. Ugh, they're everywhere. And I don't want to say that the Nazis won but they kind of fucking won. Maybe this whole thing about Hitler being a fucking mastermind was true. Because look, all the technology that a Nazi helped develop and make happen and spread all over the world has allowed Nazis to apparently be in the fucking White House. But at least we beat the Russians to the moon. That is it for our show this week, From the Earth to the Moon in 25 Minutes or Less. Fucking amazing. Uh, what if I told you that a lot of people believe that this whole story that I've told you, the Nazis, the moon, JFK's moon pussy, fucking Chef Boyardee and Tang were a lie. That we never went to the moon, that it was all filmed in a Hollywood basement just like the Red Hot Chili Peppers told you. That, my friends, will be the topic of next week's show in part two of the Moonshot Spectacular celebrating 50 years since Apollo 11. Between now and then, if you would like to take me to the moon, Alice, well, you just 
hit me right in the fucking face because that shit. You guys thought it was abuse, but that shit turned Alice on. She was a dirty, dirty girl. So rate and review the show wherever you find your podcast. That helps other people to find the show. They'll be turned on just by the sound of my voice. Follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast, and all of the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name and whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave, one small step for podcast, Bledsoe producer, one tiny squeak for producer kind Gavin, and all the fictional moonwalkers on this show, we want to say, why'd he spend all that money to get to the moon and didn't do shit with it? He should get a fucking refund and it should go to black people. We'll see you all next week. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night, because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me, because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week, and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. Was all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon? How come I ain't got no money here? Hmm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my fill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send these doctor bills, air mail special. To Whitey on the moon. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.